Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity, stories of perseverance, stories of accomplishments, and maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez, and I want to hear your story. That is right. We have a new intro. Um, so if you're if you've been uh, listening to us for for the past few years, um, you know that we've changed uh, the name of the podcast from the Run ATL Podcast to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast because we wanted to um, include cycling uh, topics and things that expanded um, the areas uh, of content that we would cover based on um, our business because we now do sell bikes. And so we did want to cover, you know, uh, and include topics of cyclists. But we are now also kind of switching, um, not necessarily switching directions, but um, going back to the core of why we started this podcast, which is to share stories um, about people, um, you know, about their journey, stories that would be inspirational, motivational, um, even educational, things that we could all learn from. And so going forward, I will be your host. Uh, I am D2, um, as you heard in the intro in the open. Um, our, um, our previous podcasts have been primarily hosted by our owner, Mike Cosentino. And he is, uh, you know, as the owner of this company, he's got a lot on his plate, um, busy running a business. So what started out, um, you know, with him, you know, and I, you know, a little over four years ago as something kind of cool to do um, and topics to share. Um, he just doesn't have the time to do that anymore. So after some conversations and uh, and just, you know, and even this year having fewer episodes based on his schedule, we just decided that, uh, you know, we could go one of uh, two ways. We could, you know, completely drop it all together or we could continue, but not in the same way we were doing before. And obviously, Mike couldn't continue the way we were, you know, had been doing it. And I just felt that after four years, um, you know, it was one of those things that I just wasn't quite ready to give up and 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 abandon. And it was something that I felt we still had more stories to share. There's still people that we want to talk to that I want to talk to that I want to share, um, you know, their story that I want to hear their story. If, if, if really, if anything, primarily for selfish reasons, because I want to be inspired because I want to learn and, you know, about these individuals and what they've gone through, because I think that's, that's how we kind of get better is through, um, you know, understanding, through learning, through, uh, you know, um, gaining perspective from other individuals. So that's, so I decided that I would continue on this uh, podcast uh, on my own. So, um, you know, taking kind of control over it. And so, you know, after, you know, uh, you know, a brief conversation, I gave Mike the pink slip, told him he was no longer, um, had to, you know, uh, take time out of his busy schedule to you know, contribute to the podcast. So I will move forward. And that is, um, something that is, you know, you know, a bit of a challenge for me simply because it's not something that I'm used to doing um, and hosting. I'm not as good as, as Mike is, but I, I think I've gotten better. Um, I have hosted a few podcasts over the last, you know, four years on my own, and I've got, gained a little bit of confidence. And I feel that, uh, especially since I have my own little studio and, you know, better gear, I feel better about the way I sound on a mic now. And so I'm getting more comfortable. And I think that will develop over time. So please bear with me um, as as we go on this journey together. Um, so 
One of the things that, like I said, that I wanted to do is focus on other people's stories um, to kind of share their journey. And I felt that it wouldn't be really fair for me to ask other people to share their journey without sharing my own. Um, uh, You know, there's been times through the podcast where I've kind of dropped little things about my past and how I've gotten involved um, in a running and, and, you know, my journey, um, you know, leading me to Big Peach. Um, But I've never really kind of dove into it. So I figured if I'm going to ask other people to do that, that, you know, to share their story, that I should open up, that I should share a little bit. And I don't, you know, and I can't say that my story is truly going to be motivational or inspirational, but it is a journey. And maybe there's something there that others can pick up. But I do feel that if we, if I truly want to connect to the community and the community connect to those that are going to join us in the future in the podcast, I do think that uh, sharing a little bit about myself, you know, would be helpful. So, um, so let's let's get started. So um, so primarily, for me, um, and this is not easy to really talk about myself, only because I, you know I've for the most part have been um, very introverted um, uh, over the last you know decade or so. Maybe it's been less the fact that I'm speaking in front of a you know in front of a mic and talk to all of you, um, which might suggest otherwise. But overall, I, I I truly think that I am more of an introvert than an extrovert. But, you know, my childhood um, started, um, you know, not being very active, um, primarily overweight, um, very sedentary, um, and it had a lot to do with the fact that I was a, a latchkey kid. And for those of you that don't know what that term means, basically, um, as, uh, you know, growing up in the, in the 70s, you know, when you had parents that worked, you know, um, you know, all day and, and I didn't have a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad, you know, my dad actually, uh, there were times where he actually had two jobs where he would work a job, you know, in the, um, you know, during the day, a typical nine to five, and then he worked kind of a third shift, you know, um, at, you know, at, at, you know, at, at a shift, you know, that started maybe eight o'clock to midnight or something like that. So, um, so there were times where, you know, that was just the way that, you know, uh, you know, our family w- was kind of dealt with things as far as, you know, financially trying to, you know, do what's best uh, for the family was to have multiple jobs. So I didn't have anyone at home when I came home from school. And that's where that latch key kid, um, you know, term came about because there was a lot of, um, or at least it was more prevalent back then that, you know, kids would come home from school and there would be no one at home. And as an elementary school kid, you know, um, you would walk to, to school on your own and come home from school on your own. Uh, maybe you'd walk with some, you know, some friends and, you know, from, from school, but you know, you come to an empty house and my parents were of course very concerned about, you know, my safety and, um, and, you know, they felt that the best way to know where I was at at all times was to be in the house, to not go out. Well, my friends and, you know, classmates would come home, um, from school and then go out in the neighborhood and, and run and play and play out in the street. My parents didn't want that. They wanted me to hit the books, study, and, you know, and remain inside. And so that was primarily my childhood. And once again, because my parents, you know, worked, you know, multiple jobs and, you know, were not home, you know, um, you know, 
as much as, you know, other parents, you know, um, cooking was not one of those things that was, you know, really high on the list as far as um, eating well. It was a lot of um, frozen foods, you know, takeout, um, you know, prepackaged meals, um, things that came in a can or in a box or frozen. So, you know, a lot of preservatives, uh, things that were, you know, processed. So it wasn't necessarily the healthiest of meals um, that I had as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a child. And the fact that I, you know, wasn't very active didn't help. And so that, you know, being overweight, being in that and not really having a lot of social connections because of staying inside led to that more introverted um, personality that I had growing up. And, you know, if, you know, it reminds me back to episode 19 when we had Tina Tate because she had uh, a very similar childhood as far as growing up and, and, and being, I think, a latchkey kid and um, just, you know, not eating as far as, you know, well-balanced and, and natural and, and or, you know, and organ- organic wasn't even a term that was used back then, but just very processed foods, you know. So, um in in high school and middle school, I I went out for you know tried to be more athletic. You know, went out for I for several team sports. Went out for soccer, basketball, football, and you know n- never made it on any of the teams because I just didn't have a base to um, to build upon. I just didn't have the athletic ability that everyone else had had growing up. Um, but you know, it's, you know, looking back, considering I, I, I classify myself as, a, as an introvert, um, and you know, I, you know, the, the fact that I actually took those risks and went out, I think is, is something, uh, you know, that I, I don't give myself enough credit for as far as really getting into something that, um, that was completely, um, unprepared for. So, you know, once I left high school, you know, I, you know, still, you know, not in the greatest of shape. Um, but I started college and went to the University of Central Florida and had always had this desire, this idea, because I remember seeing it in high school of, um, of crew. And for those of you that don't know what crew is, and most of you probably have only seen it during the Olympics when it's on primetime, um, you know, uh, coverage on, on the TV. But crew is basically rowing. And if you're primarily, I think in the, you know, New England area, I think it's a little bit more prevalent there, but we had a crew team and it was a club sport at uh, University of Central Florida. And so because it was a club sport, there were no tryouts. You came out and, you know, you were on the team and all you had to do was really kind of stick it out and, you know, you, you would compete. If you, if you didn't quit, you were on the team. And I think that's one of those times where, you know, I think it was the first time I, I, you know, decided to actually do something, you know, athletic that I stuck with it. I, I was, you know, you know, did it for a whole season. So fall and spring, you know, and the fall primarily was really just training and building that, you know, base training with no competition at all. And the spring is where, you know, you took all that base training in the fall and actually competed in actual races and there were sprint races. Um, falls were typically more the longer endurance type of races. And, you know, it, it was the first time that, you know, I was part of a, a team type of sport. Uh, the first time I actually, you know, was training, even though I didn't really know what the, the, the training schedule was. I just did whatever the coaches said. But it was also 
the first time that, you know, I started running, you know, on a regular basis. And that was after every practice, you know, you would go out, you know, you know, be at the lake at 5 a.m., you know, on the water and rowing by 6 a.m. And then, you know, by eight o'clock you were done and you would run laps. And we were, you know, our lake, you know, our boathouse was actually, you know, in, you know, in the middle of an orange grove in, you know, or and on a lake. So we would run around orange groves. So, you know, first trail, first off-road type of running experience. But I hated it because it was, you know, I was tired from from practice and I wasn't really a runner because I didn't run. And um, and it was just one of the things that they did as far as, you know, you were expected to do, you know, like in any sport, you know, you, you, you run. And, you know, I had grown up, I think, you know, just from just general, you know, um, you know, gym classes and phys ed classes that, you know, it's like, you know, running was one of those things you did almost as a punishment. You know, you, you know, take a lap if, if you didn't do this or, you know, or if you were late, take a lap. And <clears throat> so, you know, I ended up, you know, becoming, having a little bit more confidence myself. I started doing some things differently in, in school. Um, I actually ended up, um, you know, taking, getting into more um, broadcast and getting in front of a camera, in front of a mic, and and taking chances and risks. Um, that I, once again, I was an introvert, and things that I was very uncomfortable doing, I started to push myself to doing. And I think that had a lot to do with being a little bit more um, active and and gaining more self confidence. But you know, my grades um, ended up, you know. Uh, declining and sliding back um, because I was a full-time student, because I was working a, a full-time job, because I was also in a, in a club sport, and because I was trying to also have a very active social life. It was just too much, and so my grades started to, to slide back. So I had to make a choice, and so I gave up, you know, crew, and didn't do it except for that, you know, for that first year. And I always wanted to go back. I just it just never really worked out because I ended up focusing more on my studies, and that became the priority. But it was after college where I started really kind of becoming, um, I think, more uh, athletic. I guess um, to use that term a, a little bit loosely, only because we started doing with my friends, we started doing 5Ks. And it was one of those things where we would just sign up and say, hey, there's a 5K this weekend or two weeks from now, there's a 5K, let's you know, sign up and do it on a Saturday morning. And so we would go out and do it. And it was, you know, no training at all. It was, you know, just a little bit of running here and there. And by a little bit, I mean, I'd run maybe once every two to three weeks, you know, maybe two to three miles. And then I'd sign up for a 5K and would would race it and go hard. And then you know, afterwards I would feel like crap. I, you know, my knees would hurt. I was sore for, you know, several days and, you know, I would hate running. And I always said I I wasn't a runner. And, you know, I also was cycling in general for fitness. I've always had an affinity for, for cycling, um, since early, I think, uh, since I was probably a teenager and, and seeing, you know, Greg LeMond win the Tour de France and, and just, you know, that popularized cycling here in the U S and I was like, Oh, how cool is that? You know, just to see the crowds and, 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 and just the views of the, of the Alps and, and all that. And, uh, and so for me, it was one of those things that I had this, you know, desire to be a cyclist as well, but I always did it more for, for general fitness. 
And it was through the running and through the cycling that, you know, some of us sort of kind of got together, a group of friends from work um, got together and, you know, we were watching uh, television and, and we saw this program called the Eco Challenge. And it was this adventure race that was on Discovery Channel. And we were just really intrigued by the format where it was, you know, it, it, it was an adventure. And it's that's why they called it an adventure race, because you never really knew what was in store in the race. And it was, you know, seven days was typically the format. Some people did it and, you know, some teams did it in like four days. But it was supposed to be, uh, you know, multiple day, you know, four to seven days. With various disciplines that included, you know, mountain biking, trail running, kayaking, canoeing, and in some instances, um, rappelling, ascending, and um, I think they got into more and more, you know, disciplines as as the years kind of went by. But we were interested in that. My roommate and I were interested in that, and so we said, "Oh, let's check it out." And we found a local race, and and we're like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. Let's try to do it." And so we talked some other friends into it, and so we all got mountain bikes, and we started sort of kind of trail running. And we we never really trained properly. We would sort of kind of say, "Hey, let's more as a friends just go out and ride together." And if if we knew what the where the state park were, because these races were typically in the area in Florida, were taking place in state parks. We would then say, okay, well, we know this next race is at this particular state park. Let's just drive there. Let's ride the trails. Never really knowing what the course was like, but also knowing that becoming a bit familiar with the course and the terrain and and just you know improving our skills on those courses you know, it would be better than just going in blind, but nothing like a structured training plan or anything like that. It was mainly for fun. And, and that, you know, and we ended up, you know, um, you know, getting a little bit healthier. We gained better skills. We became better cyclists. We became better runners, but at the same time, running was still a, a weakness for me. It was something that, um, I didn't like. I felt like I just had to do, um, in order to do the other things and to, to, to hang out with my friends. And, um, and at the same time, you know, I think after, you know, we did very well, we, you know, we, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of those, um, you know, you know, guys from that, I, that I met, you know, back then doing adventure racing, because you do form a, a bond. And, uh, we talked a little about this in episode, uh, uh, 124 with, uh, Jeff Lininger, who's a, um, who has adventure races here in, in Georgia. Um, but, it was in, uh, I think it was uh, in early 2000 was a Disney marathon. And I had signed up for it. I had friends that said, hey, yeah, let's sign up for a marathon. And I was like, man, that's kind of crazy. But OK, let's let's I'll, I'll sign up for it. And, you know, I was living in Florida down in Orlando at the time. And training for a marathon when you're not really a motivated runner is very difficult because I remember getting up at 5 a.m., to run and it was you know 80 degrees with 85 percent humidity and it was just horrible I just didn't want to run I just it was uncomfortable it just wasn't something I, I really want to do and I didn't have the discipline and the commitment to stick to a training plan and heck I didn't even have a training plan I just wanted to go out and just let me see what I can do let me just go out and run and I couldn't even get that far I think I did a few runs here and there and you know maybe got up to six miles eight miles I think at the most and you know 
it was, I think, November where I decided, you know what, I'm just not going to make a marathon. There's just no way it's going to happen. So let's cut that. Let me switch over to the half. So I did do the half in uh, January of, of 2000. I completed that. And that was my first, like, really what I think it was my first true real accomplishment because it was a distance that was really challenging for me at the time. And I think my time was like over two and a half hours. So it was, it was good, but I was once again in, 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 you know, very uncomfortable, you know, knees hurt. And, um, I attempted, you know, another half marathon a year later and same thing, very uncomfortable, didn't really train for it. I think the max once again was eight miles that I ran and then attempted to do, you know, 13.1. And it was at that point where I just sort of kind of gave running, um, you know, I gave it up. I just like, you know what? I'm not a runner. My knees always hurt. I must have bad knees because you hear about that uh, a lot of times. Um, you know, uh, people will say, oh, I've got bad knees. And I thought I was one of those individuals. I thought I did not have the, the anatomy um, to actually run and, and run at any distance and, and really enjoy it. So at the end of 2000, um, I moved to Atlanta, and it was, you know, I was recruited here for, for a position at a uh, local TV station where I was going to be running my own department, and, yeah, I was a, a graphic designer, and so I was moving into an art director's position. And, you know, one of the things you don't know and they don't tell you about, you know, and I sort of probably should have known just because I didn't, you know, I'd worked at a previous TV station before, but in a different capacity, and, and um, but Atlanta's a very competitive, you know, television market, and it was a demanding job, and I was really focused on my career. You know, here I am making real money, you know, paying my student, you know, loan down, um, and, and really focusing on what I thought was going to be my career. This is, you know, a company that I thought was, was it, that I was going to work, you know, for decades and, and, you know, eventually retire and just have a great life. That was, that was sort of kind of what I thought right back in 2000. How naive was I back then? And, you know, there was, you know, like I said, it's a very demanding job because when you work in television news and it's really your on-call 24 you know, hours a day, seven days a week. And starting out, I think I, you know, and I did this to myself because I really wanted to make an impression. I really was, you know, an overachiever where I started out, you know, working, you know, six days a week. I would come in on the weekends and, you know, do things to, you know, you know, improve my department, uh, catch up on stuff that I wasn't able to do and try to get ahead in th other th areas that I wanted to improve on. And, you know, after a few years, I just, you know, I looked at myself and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not in the greatest of shape. Um, once again, I, I saw, you know, my weight go up and, um, and I just, you know, knew I needed to be physically active. I started realizing that, Without the physical activity, I just felt more stress. I just felt a little, you know, a bit more uh, anxious. And there was like an itch I needed to scratch. And when I would go out for a run and, you know, and really, like I said, I wasn't, I tried going out for a run. I didn't really run. Um, I, I, I went cycling more than anything else. And I was mountain biking at the time a little bit more so. And so I just felt so much better coming in, you know, into the office on Monday. <clears throat> um but, you know, 
the thing about also working at, 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 a, at a TV station is that you know you have a lot of breaking news, you have you know you know big election nights and coverage and things like that. And when and that happens, you don't really have you know, um, you know a great you know you know great eating habits. So you eat whatever you can. You might you know you might eat out of the vending machine. You know a lot of sodas. Um, you know. If there was breaking news or something, you know, if there's a, you know, especially if there was a staff meeting or something like that, then it was like, oh, you know, you, you know, they'd order Chick Fil A, or if it's, you know, election night, you order pizza, and so that's kind of what was, you know, kind of my diet, you know, at that time. And if I did have time to go out to get something to eat, it was, you know, drive down the street to a fast food restaurant and, you know, pick up, you know, something that was, you know, not the, the not the most healthiest of meals. And, you know, after a while there, I was like, okay, let's reevaluate. Let's look at my health again. And I cut sodas completely out. I stopped, you know, buying it for the house. I stopped going to the vending machine. And I did see the weight sort of kind of drop, you know, over the, you know, I think maybe a period of like two years. And that's really not doing much of anything else, except, like I said, for maybe a little bit of cycling. But, you know, at the same time, it was a very stressful job, and it was one of the things that I didn't realize at the time that I was unhappy for a variety of reasons. It was, you know, the demand, you know, it was a very demanding job. There were some things that was asked of me that, you know, um, I wasn't really happy with. You know, I started out with a department of maybe about a dozen people, and by the time, you you know, I was let go, um, there were only three people in my department, and it was one of those things where I was, you know, asked to cut staffing, and that was a way of saving the company money, and it's just so- something that didn't sit well with me, and it didn't make me the the probably, you know, a very, you know, happy person, you know, and I think that was probably one of the reasons why I was let go. Um, I, I mean, I, I performed, I did a, a good job. I just probably wasn't the greatest personality to be around with. I just wasn't happy. And so I, you know, I didn't realize that at the time I, I can look back now and go, well, you know, I take responsibility for that. At the same time, you know, it wasn't a great environment for me, you know, maybe for, for some people. Um, and so, you know, the timing of that just didn't, it was at the worst possible time. That was at the end of 2008. I actually found out that my contract um, wasn't being renewed, um, you know, two weeks before Christmas. Um, not the best time to get bad news and, and find out you're, being, you're, you're unemployed. And like I said, that was at the end of 2008, and that was the start of the decline in the economy. <clears throat> you know, there was, you know, um, housing issues, you know, recession, and, and, you know, not great. And, of course, at the time no one really knew that that was what was happening. So I started, you know, you know, with a bit of uncertainty as to how I was going to start the, you know, 2009. So I decided to to do some freelance, start my own company, do my own, um, graphic design, you know, um, business. And, and for a while there, it, it was okay. I cut a lot of expenses. Um, you know, things like a gym membership gone, you know, cable or satellite TV gone. Um, you know, phone gone, you know, as far as a landline, still had a cell phone. And so I simplified a lot of things in order to reduce costs and expenses in order to make, you know, ends meet. And it was one of those things where 
you know, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty because here I am basically unemployed and I've got a mortgage, you know, and I was like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? You know, am I going to lose a house and, you know, am I going to declare bankruptcy? What's, you know, what's, what's happening? And, and for the first, you know, couple of years, you know, there was still a lot of uncertainty and, you know, I think the first year was okay. Second year, things became a little bit tighter because, you know, a lot of companies that had budgets to hire, you know, freelance and outsource a lot of their work, um, those budgets kind of dried up. They started taking everything internally. They started cutting a lot of projects. And so it became a bit more difficult to, to, you know, financially make ends meet. And I needed a steady, you know, um, paycheck. But, uh, you know, at that time, what got me through it was I actually started running because I thought that, you know, that since I didn't have a gym membership and I wanted to be active and be healthy, that the, the least expensive activity that I could do was running. And I was like, okay, let's give running a shot once again. And this is after taking almost 10 years off of running altogether, except here or there, you know. And, you know, I went and got fitted for shoes at the Big Peach Indicator. And, you know, um, I was, you know, told about the group run that they were having that night. And I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. You know, this is, you know, I live fairly close. I can drive back. It's, you know, what else do I have to do? I'm, I, I can make my own schedule. And that was one of the things that I had, you know, said back, um, back at the time, you know, was if I, if I had more time, I would be in better shape. If I had more time, I would work out a little bit more. If I had more time, well, here I am basically unemployed and I'm like, I've got all the time in the world. You know, I, I, I can make my own time. This is something that is within things that I can control when everything else around me, I couldn't control, I could control my time and the time that I had to allocate for myself to do this one thing. And that was to, you know, go out to a group run and to run. And, you know, once again, just to relieve the mental stress and the anxiety and, 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 and just kind of figure things out. You know, that was my, 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 my therapy, right? And we, we've heard the term, uh, you know, running it as, as therapy. And so I ended up having a really great time. I mean, you know, it turned out that on that, that was February and, and it was, you know, Mardi Gras season. So there was, had a Mardi Gras theme run. So there was king cake afterwards and beer. And I was like, wow, it's like, you can run and drink beer afterwards and have a good time. I'm like, sign me up. And, and it was a good crew and, and, and a lot of good people that were there. So I started showing up on a regular basis. And that I started doing it, and, and there was the first time that I was ever consistent with anything, where I was showing up, you know, you know, twice a week at the group runs, and then in between there I was running out on my own. And, you know, so I'm easily running, you know, maybe started out two, three times a week, and I got to the point where I was running, you know, five – five times a week, six times a week. And eventually I signed up for my first training program, which was, you know, the Peachtree Road Race. And it was something I actually looked forward to doing because I saw progress. I saw improvement and I saw myself getting faster and really kind of enjoying, you know, the aspect of running and training. And, um, and so I really got hooked on it, and I ended up doing the Peachtree Road Race, and for the first time, uh, I finished under an hour. 
I don't know exactly what time it was, you know, maybe 55 minutes, 58 minutes, thereabouts. But previously it had been over an hour and five minutes um, when I had done it in the past, sort of kind of like on a whim. So, you know, I was like, wow, that just, that felt really good. And so after that, I said, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to be consistent with it. And let me sign up for another race. And so every race became a reason for me, you know, to, you know, I put something on the calendar to keep me consistent, to keep me training. Um, and eventually, you know, that led me into, you know, getting back into half marathons, improving my half marathon times, and then looking for the next challenge. And that was to do a triathlon. Having lived in Florida, a huge triathlon community, especially out in, in West Orlando, out in Claremont. And I remember seeing, you know, and even considered doing triathlons back back then uh, through some of the friends that, that, uh, that I knew. And, but I was always scared of the swim. And so I was like, all right, you know, I want a new challenge. I want to learn how to swim. I want to learn, you know, and I always thought I knew how to swim, but I knew how not to drown, basically. I wasn't a swimmer. And, by, and when I mean I, I didn't know how to drown, I mean I barely knew not, how not to drown. And so I signed up and, um, you know, joined a, a local, um, you know, uh, club and started training with them. And my goal was to just do a sprint, sprint triathlon. And sprint triathlon, you know, the distances sort of kind of vary. They could be anywhere from, a, you know, f- you know, I think – you know, anywhere from in some instances 200 yards, 200 meters to maybe 400 yards, 400 meters, you know, um, 15 to 20 mile bike ride and, you know, and a 5k. And I was like, okay, if I can do that, then I can check off and say, I am a triathlete. One and done. That's all I need. And, and, you know, I don't know what was after that, but I, I just didn't, I just thought that that's all I could do. And I, you know, in the club, there was a lot of talk about Ironman and Ironman and Ironman and, you know, 140.6 miles. And everyone was training – well, not everyone, but it seemed like everyone was training for an Ironman. And I just – when I heard about it and, you know, researched it, I was like, that is crazy. There's no way I will ever do an Ironman. I just didn't think that I had the the physical ability, the mental toughness, um, and, and, and the commitment to, to the time and the training that required to do that type of distance. So I, you know, I, I, first year I was like, just let me get past this, this first, you know, uh, triathlon. And I, I ended up doing it. It was, you know, I felt great finishing and crossing that finish line. Um, and it was one of those things I was like, all right, well, I feel pretty good about it. I was like, I kind of want to do another one. And it was weird because I, my intention was only to do one. And I think I ended up doing really only one triathlon. And then the following year, I signed up for the first triathlon of the year. I ended up signing up for a half Ironman in Panama City. And it was one of those that... I probably shouldn't have done <laughs> my swim coach at the time when she, you know, I told her that that's what I signed up. She like looked at me and goes, really, that's what you're going to do. Um, cause she knew better than I did what my, uh, swim abilities were and they were not obviously weren't fast, but I got lucky in the sense that that year the swim was actually rather calm because Panama City has been known to have some very windy conditions, some very rough um, 
you know, swims and, um, in some instances, swim has been canceled entirely because it's been so choppy and, and dangerous. And I looked out where, you know, visibility in the water was easily several, you know, I'd say maybe, you know, 30, 50 feet. I could see the bottom, um, you know, as I was swimming, very kind of calm and it just was a great swim. And, you know, bike, of course, later in the day got a little windy, but, you know, and it got hot as well uh, on the run, but I was like, I did it. I did a, you know, a half Ironman, and that just, you know, and it wasn't actually uh, an Ironman-branded race. It's, you know, a half iron distance because some people get hung up on that. But, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had truly accomplished something, and that was also this, the, the, the year that I uh, started working for Big Peach, and it was one of those things where, once again, based on, like as I mentioned previously, you know, with – you know, my career and the things that were happening, I was like, I needed a steady job. And I had, you know, spent enough time running from the Decatur store to realize that I liked the company. I liked the environment. I liked the, you know, just the way it just felt very natural to me as far as this is something I, I was kind of drawn to and wanted to be a part of. And so I started working uh, for them and, and it just, you know, started from the ground up and worked my way up and, you know, eventually managing my own store and, you know, and now, you know, director of marketing. But, um, you know, so I, I took a different path and I thought uh, and that I didn't realize I was going to take. And I you know, would, never would have guessed back in, you know, when I moved to Atlanta in 2000, that this would be the path that, that I would be on. Um, and, you know. Being around other individuals, you know, um, through the triathlon community, through, you know, and, and through, you know, Big Peach, you know, I started, you know, doing more longer distances. Started, I went back to the marathon distance and finally, you know, did my first true marathon, which was here in Atlanta. And it was, you know, another miserable experience because I had IT band issues. Came back the second year and sort of felt like I redeemed myself. Still didn't quite, you know, um, you know, make my under four hour mark, but I took twenty minutes off of my first year's attempt. So still a huge accomplishment. And then after that, I decided I'm going to do an Ironman, an Iron Distance race. And so in 2013, I did my first one up in uh, Cedar Rapids in Sandusky, Ohio. A company called Rev Three put on a Iron Distance race. And in 2014, I did the Ironman Chattanooga, which is the first year they had it here in Chattanooga, and, um, you know, had a great, great race. Um, You know, and they weren't perfect races. Each one of those, you know, I had different different issues um, because it all comes down to nutrition, and that's where I started learning a little bit more and getting my experience about nutrition and fueling, Um, and a lot of it came from mistakes that I've had. And then in, uh, I think it was after Ironman Chattanooga where I felt like, oh man, I've done 140, you know, plus miles. I'm like, I feel like I can do anything at this point. Let me tackle and do my first 50K. Because of course, when you're around other trail runners at Big Peach and you see other people do, you know, ultras, you're like, well, (laughs) I got to do that. You know, it's like, I have no business getting into doing a, you know, you know, a a 50k or even a 100k, you know, or a 100 miler, but you know, sure, why not? So once again, being a bit uh, naive um, and uh, 
you know, jumped in and signed up for one. And at the time, you know, I thought, well, okay, what, you know, 50K, what does that translate? Well, it's a little under 32 miles. So you're talking about six more miles than a marathon. So I estimated, well, throw in the terrain, throw in, you know, elevation. You know, I've done, you know, at that point I'd done a marathon in about four hours. I was like, so I was like two hours, an additional two hours to do six miles with terrain stuff. That should be pretty good. You know, at six hour, you know, I think I could do that. I think I ended up doing it in, in almost nine hours. I think it was like 8.40, 8.45 or something like that. So hugely, you know, inexperienced going in and a little, uh, you know, overconfident in my abilities and really uh, learned quite a bit about myself um, on that 50K. And it was, you know, like most of the times I've done a race for the first time, miserable. Um, a lot of cramping, a lot of tripping and falling. The race was in uh, mid-November, I believe. So a lot of leaves on the ground. So you couldn't see any of the roots. So, you know, it just, you know, you take a few, you know, every 10 or so yards you'd run and, you know, you trip. And, you know, especially towards the end, the last 10 miles when your legs are kind of tired, you can't, you know, it gets harder to pick up your feet. It seems like every single uh, step you're tripping over something. And I do remember coming down and, and actually tripping, falling, and, of course, the leg cramps up at that time. So, you, you know, I'm just laying out on the side of the trail, just sort of like, you know, leg kind of seized up and cramped up while you're trying to massage it and, and loosen that, uh, that calf muscle up. And um, so those, those uh, memories are still very vivid in my mind. But despite that, I was like, the following year, I think, uh, I ended up saying, okay, well, I'm going to go again, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to do, you know, um, you know, more 50 Ks. And so I, I got on this kick of just doing trail marathons or half marathons, uh, on the trail, 50 Ks and did several of them. And some of them were very, very difficult, um, up in North Georgia primarily. And, um, and did a couple like back to back months. And I remember one year I did two 50 Ks in back to back weekends. Definitely do not recommend, um, barely had enough time to recover from the first one uh, before I uh, attempted the second one. Um, and so that's sort of kind of where, you know, you know, I, I, that's kind of the max that I've done as far as distances. You know, I've never had the desire to really go into the 50 mile or, you know, um, 100 mile. Um, and I, after that, I just sort of kind of felt like I feel like I've accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. I think a lot of what I ended up, you know, doing it, you know, based on things that happened with, you know, sort of kind of losing my job and starting a you know, new career. And, and, you know, I felt like I had something to prove. And I th think I had something to prove not only to myself, but maybe to others. Um, and that was a motivation. That was something that I just felt very driven to do. And I got, I think, to a certain point where I'm like going, I don't know that I have anything else to prove. I don't know that there's anything else that I truly need to do. And so I ended up spending a lot of uh, my time afterwards, uh, you know, still participating in sports, you know, and still racing occasionally, but no longer focusing on times and spending a little bit more time in, you know, supporting others. And, you know, um, trying to give back to the community. So I started volunteering at, at races and um, I ended up, you know, helping a, a few friends um, at some of their ultras. I ended up, you know, 
pacing uh, a friend of mine at Penhody 100 for the last leg, um, the last 13 miles of Penhody, and went and he actually crewed another friend and 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 paced her uh, you know a few years later at Penhody. And you know if you've you know I'll tell you crewing uh, and pacing is is a sport in itself, especially if you're doing it by yourself. You know over 100 miles, that is I'd say maybe not as tough, but very close to actually running that because you're basically going on no sleep for, uh, you know, almost more than 24 hours. Um, and actually, you know, even went out to Leadville 100 to end up, you know, helping pace a friend. And um, so, you know, those are things that I sort of kind of want to do and kind of help others and and support the community, like I said, through volunteering and, you know, even uh, I think during the pandemic, did a free training program, you know, through Big Peach, you know, and kind of, you know, supporting others, providing advice, putting out training programs and doing things to kind of help and give back to the community. So those are things that I think I'm, I'm a bit more focused on right now, not really focused on PRs or, or, or specific times or big goals. And, you know, if I happen to get a, a PR, that's great, but that's not the driving force for me right now. So I don't have any big goals. I do have a, a few races that I've signed up for. And for the most part, I'm, I'm, I want to do races that are new, are unique, uh, are different. Um, I, I don't want to do the same old races every single year. It's sort of kind of, it's starting to become old. There's, there's nothing exciting about it. And I'd rather do a race, you know, um, that is, you know, maybe even outside the state or outside the country or do some sort of adventure experience outside the state, you know, outside, outside the country. So I've got a, you know, I do have a trail marathon in, in a month that I signed up for that I'm, and you know, you know, self-evaluating right now, I am grossly unprepared for. I mean, I've got a trail marathon, 26.2 miles. The most I've run is 10 miles. So somehow I've got, you know, between the next four weeks, I've got to ramp up at least up to 20 miles. Um, luckily I do have a good base I just, you know, it's not going to be a blazing fast, you know, uh, marathon. It'll just be more for crossing that finish line and, uh, signed up also in December for, uh, Pine Mountain, uh, 19 miler. I, I hear that's a very challenging and technical course. So that's, you know, if anything, the trail marathon will get me prepared for, you know, for that. Um, if not the terrain, I'll definitely have the, the, the physical ability to do it. And then in January, uh, signed up for Run the ATL, which is I have done in the past, but I did it in uh, July. They do a summer and a winter one. I have not done the winter one. And when I did, the summer one was four or five years ago, and a lot of the Beltline was still uh, unfinished. You know, um, the starting point, which is now West End, where Wild Heaven and Monday Night Garage is at, you know, that era was still, um, you know, they had, had – um, cleared the land out, but it was still just, you know, clay and gravel. And, uh, so we ran a lot of that back then. And, uh, at this point it's, I'd say a good majority of it is, is paved more than 50% of it is, is paved and, uh, it, it'll, it'll be the winter. So I'm, I'm sort of interested to see that on foot and, uh, I would prefer to do that better than in July, mid July running 22 miles and uh, 90 plus degree weather it was just not enjoyable. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that um, and sort of kind of turning the belt line, you know, in cooler temps. But uh, for now, um, you know, 
for me, it's just I'm just training for general uh, fitness and health and just enjoying life. And, you know, I'm trying to train smart, eat smart. You know, I'm cooking a lot more of my meals. You know, haven't really been eating out. Um, no more fast foods. Uh, Chick-fil-A is probably the only thing I, I truly will indulge on. And that's very few and far between. I'd say, you know, maybe once every two to three months. Um, and, and, and it's mainly if I travel where, I, where I'll find, you know, stop at a Chick-fil-A. Um, but, you know, I'm also cycling a, a bit more. I'm, you know, I've got a smart trainer that's I've got uh, in the basement and I use a, you know, a program called Zwift. Uh, some of you may have been familiar w- with it and some of you may be using it. And I just find that uh, very convenient and uh, just uh, a great way of just, you know, keeping up the cardio up and uh, getting in uh, some exercise without truly, you know, pounding the legs. Um, but, uh, you know, as well for me is, is also looking at, you know, at, you know, my general fitness is, 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 has always been sort of kind of been looked at and I've looked at it based on weight and I've gone, my weight has fluctuated from, you know, 178 pounds back, I think in 2005 and down to 132 pounds in 2014, back when I was, you know, doing Ironmans. And, you know, a hundred, if you're, you know, if, you know, I'm like just under five, six, you know, on a good day with, you know, some Hoka Bondi's I'm, I'm five, six. So to be 178 pounds is, um, was definitely the heaviest I was, I was ever at. I think I had like a, God, I would hate to even admit it, but I think maybe a 36 inch waist, you know, definitely not the picture of health, definitely not someone that was active, but that was, you know, 2005 back when I was in the middle of, of, you know, the, you know, television, you know, and just very stressful, very demanding type of job. I was very unhappy all the way to 2014 where I was, you know, probably overtraining, you know, definitely, um, I would say underweight, uh, at 132 pounds. I think it was, um, you know, some people, some of my friends were concerned about my health. Um, I didn't really feel that I was doing anything, you know, um, negatively. I just think that it was just, I just was training a lot and not eating enough. And, and I think most, more importantly, not eating the right foods. And I had very little uh, to no strength training. And so I was probably heading towards a, an, an injury, you know, a stress fracture of some sort um, by the time I, I backed off. And so those are things that I'm doing now is, is concentrating a little bit more on strength training, uh, less on, on, on running, adding a little bit more cycling, and just trying to, you know, just like I said, to be a little bit, you know, healthier and, um, and to enjoy life. Because one of the things that I do want to do as far as one of my training for, it's not for a specific race, but really I want to travel. I want to, um, you know, go out and do a trail race at, in let's say Colorado, something picturesque, something beautiful or, or the Grand Canyon. And I did that, um, back in 2019 where I ran at Bryce Zion and Grand Canyon over a, a three-day weekend. And that was phenomenal. But in order to do that, you have to be in a, you know, a certain level of, of, of fitness. It's, it's not something you can go out and run, you know, 10 to 13 miles, three days in a row if you don't have the fitness. And to, in order to see those type of views, in order to experience those type of, 
um, you know, um, environments, you have to be in a, you have to be in good shape, you know, and those are things that I want to do. I would love to, um, bike in Europe and, you know, Europe is, you know, whether it's the Alps, the Pyrenees or, you know, the Dolomites, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging environment. And, um, so those are things that I'm training for because I want to enjoy them. I want to experience them. I want to be able to stop and take in a view and, and, and not suffer through it. And, to truly take that all in. And so for me, it's, it's not really about the results or podium placement. It's really about the journey and, and meeting new people, exploring new places, whether it's on foot or on the bike. And so that sort of kind of, you know, something that, that sort of, um, really a message that I heard, um, and really kind of came to light in 2019. So one of the friends that I, knew back in Orlando and that we were doing the venture races. Her name was Wendy Chioji, and she was a, a, an inspiration just based on her personality and her sense of adventure, her laughter, and, um, you know, she did so many things, but she she passed in 2019 um, with, you know, a battle of cancer, and she had, you know, th- that wasn't her first time. You know, she had breast cancer, and then she got a, a rare, um, you know, um, form of a cancer that she was on clinical trials, and and just there was no no real treatment. There was always hope that she would beat it, and she didn't. She passed, and so it's something she battled for five years, and her message, you know, um, you know, to anyone that followed her, and and heard her speak and, you know, as a friend of hers, I I heard it many times, but, you know, you know, she lived in those last five years, you know, more than some people live their entire life. And for her, she wanted to experience everything and anything. And she saw life as, you know, a gift. And we hear these terms a lot. And, you know, sometimes it takes a, a certain, you know, you know, a near-death experience, a life-changing experience to um, realize that, to come to that realization that life is precious and that there is no guarantee for tomorrow. And, you know, we all have a, a, a short amount of time on on this earth. And you can't just make life all about a race, a PR, or work, or whatever it is. You have to sort of kind of look at you know, enjoying different things and, and experiencing life. And that's sort of kind of what her message was, is to truly, with the time that we have, to truly enjoy life, to, you know, um, look at new opportunities. And so there's things that she said, you know, was to live fiercely and, and say yes, and say yes to new opportunities, to experiences, to adventure. Um, and so for me, that's sort of been the message of the last few few years. And I think the pandemic has sort of kind of put some of those things on hold because in 2019, I did do a bit of traveling. I did, you know, um, you know, did try to live to that, um, you know, to her message and to honor her life by living the way she sort of, you know, um, saw as a gift. And I, I don't feel like I've, I've done a good job of that over the last few years, just because I think of the pandemic. So for me right now, it's one of those things that I want to do more. And it's a message that, um, that I want to kind of always have in the back of my mind and remember her because she was, 
you know, she was an inspiration. Um, she was a reason I did many of the things that, that, uh, that I did. Um, and we shared a very similar past. You know, I met her through, through television. She was a television news anchor and, you know, we ended up doing adventure races together. We, you know, she did triathlons, you know, much sooner than I did, but I always wanted to do it because I saw her doing it. And, you know, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. She did, you know, Ironman. She actually made it to Kona, um, you know, uh, a few years before her passing. And, you know, she always went out and, you know, took and just lived life to its fullest. And, and so that's sort of kind of what I want to do. And I think that's sort of where I'm at right now, my point in life. I don't know, you know, down the road, if that'll change, if I'll get back into like racing competitively, but that's not where I'm at right now. Um, I want to use, you know, running and cycling and, and, you know, as a way, as a vehicle to truly enjoy life, to extend, you know, my life so that I can experience these things that, you know, she didn't get a chance to. So, you know, if there's any message in all this, and as far as, like I said, you know, my story isn't, you know, I don't think really inspiring or unique, but I did want to share some of it, um, as I said at the beginning, because I do think that, um, you know, we can all learn something from each other, and and I, I don't want to ask other people to open up about themselves and their journey without me sharing and opening up a little bit about myself. So, um, you know, I, I'm really excited. You know, going forward uh, with this podcast, I do have some some uh, some people already lined up. There is a uh, fitness instructor that is going to, you know, I'll have on here who, you know, talk a little bit about her own struggles with mental health, especially, you know, during the pandemic and, and dealing with alcohol. Um, there's a cyclist that uh, I also met during my triathlon, uh, you know, uh, years. And he just finished uh, doing Leadville 100. And it was his second attempt. He didn't make it the first time. But he has also struggled with alcohol most of his life. There's an, uh, you know, there's been addiction in his family, and he even ended up doing the same Ironman race that I did, hungover. Um, so he shares a little bit of kind of what he's learned, his journey, his story, and how he's sort of kind of turned his life around. And, you know, now he's over three years without uh, having a, a drink. And so I hope that, you know, um, these stories, you know, help you, help motivate you, help inspire you, help, you know, put some things in a focus um, and help connect you to this community because I do think this this uh, community of, of cyclists and, and runners and athletes and, you know, we can support each other, we can learn from each other and we can come together um, and really, you know, truly be better um, for one another. And uh, I know I'm much happier when I'm active and I know I, I you know, I deal uh, with things better when I've gone out for a run or I've gone cycling. And for me, it's more of a, you know, a positive mental state. And I hope that that's what we can do uh, for you. So um, I hope you stick around and uh, continue to, uh, you know, listen to the podcast and, and be part of this journey. Um, and uh, if you have a story of your own or know of uh, people that, you find interesting and, and would love to hear the story, I, please, you know, pass it along to me. Um, email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I would love to, you know, learn more about, um, you know, our listeners, those in our community, share their stories. Um, and, you know, 
just be better for it um, because I think that's where we can find some some common ground and we can truly get to know one another and uh, and I think that's the most important part of uh, of this journey that we that we're on together. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I yeah I'd like to close it out with a you know a nice little tagline, but I don't have one and. Uh, and I, you know, at the same time, I don't want to use a tagline from from you know um, from our, our company tagline because I just feel it's you know I don't want it to be so commercialized or feel like it's commercialized type of a podcast. I really do want this to be more of an inspirational type of podcast. So uh, thanks for joining uh, me, and I look forward to uh, being back here in a few weeks. And um, until next time, you know, um, just be positive and uh, keep on uh, being active. Thanks. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningcoat.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.